2: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. John Manuel J.J. Cooper here for your daily playoff fix. And we want to remind you our Baseball America podcast and Facebook Lives, which that'll come tomorrow. These are all sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids Shop now at baseballism.com. Enter the offer code BAship and receive free shipping on your order. Visit baseballism.com for hats, shirts, and more today. Perfect time of year to get into baseballism. If it's uh, if your weather is uh, like it is here you know, down south, don't need you the can't hoodie yet. Tell, You don't need the hoodie. You could go with a t-shirt. And maybe if they have a rain slicker, that might come in handy this week. Hot and muggy. It does not feel like October, JJ weather-wise, but it sure feels like October on your television, on your however you consume baseball in two thousand and seventeen. It feels like October, and this weekend and was pretty great baseball.
1: By the way, when you spend, you talk about that, like there was a point this weekend where I got banished because you know one kid wanted to watch something, one kid wanted to watch something else. But the great thing about baseball, you know, in two thousand and seventeen, from the standpoint is is it's okay. Yeah, I'll the just TVs take. Are occupied, yeah. I'll just take my tablet, and right. I will enjoy it on this, and it's no problem at all, you know. But it, it, I will ask you the the thing that stood out. Like, if I said of all the games, the one from the weekend that was like, and there were a lot of good ones. There were a lot of good ones. There were a lot of good ones. I mean, I could I could easily make the argument for the Yankees game yesterday. You know, that was thrilling, Yankees Indian. but. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that Nats game from Saturday. I'm guessing you might, too, because that just
2: was... You know, my favorite game of the weekend, actually, I think it was Friday night, was game two, Indians-Yankees. That was an epic oh, that, game. It, it's so funny. It feels like that was a, a month ago. It does. We have a lot to go <laughs> the game over. game was insane. But that game was crazy, and uh, that was... I, again, like we talked about kind of previewing it and previewing the ALDS about... I think everyone respects how good the Indians, the Cleveland team is. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. I have to give Keith Law props. He never calls them the Cleveland Indians. They just call them Cleveland. And I'm kind of there with him. It is frustrating to watch the and constantly see the logo. I don't care about tradition about that. I'm Greek Orthodox. I'm saying I don't care about tradition. And I went to church yesterday, and I said the exact same service and the same prayers I've been saying for literally – 1700 years, 334, so not literally, just shy of 1700 years. So I know tradition, okay? And that is not a tradition worth preserving. Just like not letting women step in the altar is not a tradition worth preserving, but saying the Lord's Prayer is. There are certain traditions that are worth preserving I, I and I some see that this are not. Uh, I'm, I'm off on a tangent, it's early, but um, that is one that's not worth preserving. Um, So it's tough to watch the Indians in that regard. That's literally the only way it's tough to watch them. They play with so much style. They play with passion. They have a variety of different ways they can beat you. And the tried and truest way to win games in 2017 is power pitching and power bats. And that's how you come back from an 8-3 deficit. That and the fact that you never believe you're going to get beat. So a game where Corey Kluber starts and you're losing 8-3 and you come back and win... That, it should be the sign of a great team, but the Yankees are pretty doggone good too, JJ, because uh, that game three was epic.
1: How much, though, did Joe Girardi need that win yesterday from the standpoint of it is very rare that a team loses a game. And I know you can make the, well, the guy's still got to make the pitch, all that. It's very rare that you have a game where you go, no, the manager 100% basically is the one who is culpable for that loss. He certainly was the most culpable. He was Because... <laughs> again, we do not know. It's possible right. that the Indians would have had a, a, a comeback in the seventh instead of the
2: sixth. There's some alternate universe but, where other stuff may have happened. But happen. the reality
1: of it is, is this very, it is very rare. It is very, very rare that when you can say, you know, the manager made a decision, and that cost them four runs.
2: Yeah, it sure seemed like it mean, was a direct <laughs> correlation. A equal a B <laughs> in that case. And again,
1: in a situation where there. The day two, he came around and is like, you know what, I feel awful about it, which is the right answer because these May things I happen. You have to make these decisions in a split second. The reality of it is, is there is no defensible when you know that the next inning, those challenges just sit in your pocket. Right. And when you know that the excuse of I don't want to take my pitcher out of the rhythm, if there's a ten percent shot that the inning is over. You take the 10% shot that the inning is over because then you don't have to worry about rhythm. Right. You pat them on the back and go, good job. You know. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, that was an amazing game. You know, we had we we have the uh, the burgeoning development of the legend of Cal Hendricks, which happened on Friday night. Yeah. You know,
2: I mean JJ, maybe it was just the wild card games, and maybe the I mean, I know we had subpar starting pitching in the first couple of games of the division series. But we actually got good starting pitching. We got seven innings out of pitchers. We still haven't got a CG, and I don't think we're going to get one. But we did have uh, Masahiro Tanaka and Kyle Hendricks both. And Steve, Steve, by the way, Steven Strasburg who says pitched, hello. He, he was. He's like I pitched pretty well too. That was probably the best pitching performance of the weekend. I thought. I really, I really do. As good and Tanaka was outstanding last night. But Strasburg, there's so much wrapped up. In Strasbourg, pitching a playoff game. Hey, wasn't this supposed to happen four years ago? You know, Or was it five years ago? I guess five years ago. God, yeah. time really does fly. And to hear, I forget who was doing color for that game. I think it was Ron Darling. And he comped it early in that game. He said, this feels like his major league debut against the Pirates in this stadium in 2010. Which, which is something that,
1: that is literally, when I say burned in my memory. It's a
2: top five Baseball America moment ever,
1: isn't it? Oh, easy. Like, yeah. if you said... I mean, that is one thing that did strike me is, is I was sitting back and trying to replay in my head some of last year's postseason. And one thing about the fact, and I'm not complaining about this, it's just the reality of it, though, is, is that, and I know we're also in a weird bubble where we are. Right. There's so much baseball that happens that it is hard for me to remember specific moments. Correct. I'm right out, there with you. Because I'm watching so much baseball and all. So if you say, hey, do you remember in Game Two of the World Series? And I would be sitting there, and I'll tell you, be honest, I'd have to go back and look at it right. because also I'm looking at it, and I care about all these games, but at the same time, it's different. If you're if you're a Cubs fan, I understand that you have every moment of Game One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, and Seven right. from that series. You lived every moment of them like you've never lived them before, right. you know, unless you've been around since 1945. Right. I get that, but for us, like, I have trouble like pulling up those, except if they're not really. If you ask me about Madison Bumgarner in Game 7 of 14,
2: easy. Right. But, you're, you're, we're not rainy on the Royals. We're not remembering every but, single but, moment and but, replaying but, them for years. Right.
1: The reality of it is, is that there's so much good baseball that happens in October that it kind of, the brain only has so much and it moves on. Yeah. But the thing that stands out to me about this is, is that we've had already, like, I do believe, you know, several moments, but that Strasburg one, going back to it, that Strasburg one is one I'll never forget, because that was, I remember watching it, and we talked about this on the podcast multiple times, it's like, we're seeing a guy who, he will pitch, he will be a better pitcher down the road. Right. But we'll never, we don't, we may never see uh, him be better as far as his stuff. Correct. That was not equal of that stuff, but it wasn't that,
2: you know, it, was it wasn't pretty, far off. It wasn't was, far off. He was very, very, very good, so... Uh, top 3 moments of the weekend. I think that you're right though. I do think the Bryce Harper home run for me just because it's of who it was, when he did it, how dead that stadium seemed right coming right after yet another Trey Turner just a uh, knife turning at bat where the Nats fans are booing him. Um and then on top of it, it's against the World Series, defending World Series champions and Anthony Rizzo is basically getting like every hit they ever need mm-hmm. and driving in every run. But it's also a one of these team that has
1: the necessary arrogance because they've earned it.
2: No question and you had John Lester pitch well, doing John Lester postseason things that he's done since basically 2007. And oh by the way, you have the the Bryce Harper and what a big deal he is. And you had this curious uh, uh managerial decision that was perfectly logical considering CJ Edwards <laughs> Success against left handed hitters this year. I think in the regular season, they had a 473 OPS against him. But it was still, huh, this is weird. In the postseason, we're seeing Bryce Harper face a right handed pitcher with a game on the line. That doesn't happen very often no. anymore, JJ. And it probably won't happen again in this series because he annihilated that pitch. And plus, just the way that that was just a majestic home run off a hanging breaking ball. And that was a pretty good bat flip. Uh, it, wasn't it was an understated in a way. It was, but it, and the thing about it is again, it was you, not a Korean bat flip. It was a Bryce Harper but, arrogant bat flip. But when you talk about it though, it, again, and we don't need to get into a whole bat flip discussion, but
1: yes, it wasn't of even course.
2: the best. It also wasn't the best bat flip of the weekend. Right. Yasiel Puig, yes. the bat flip on the single that didn't even score a run, yeah. best bat yeah. flip of the weekend. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> the thing about it is, is that like the other thing that stands out with that is is it is obviously if if when we're watching Bryce Harper, it is impossible not to get, you know, just hyped about watching it because again, this is a guy who you wrote the first thing I think that ever appeared about Bryce Harper in Baseball America or baseballamerica.com, which was eighth grade Bryce Harper, <laughs> yeah. who was the best player in his state as an eighth grader, ahead of Nico Goodrum, right? Who was No, 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 you know, Nico Vasquez. Vasquez. Nico Vasquez who was, was a second-round
2: second pick. Round pick.
1: Yeah. And it was like, yeah, Nico Vasquez was completely showed up in BP by this eighth grader who's going to be far, far greater. Who also, like,
2: blew
1: 96-mile-an-hour ched yes. past him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it is is that Bryce Harper does get injured more than, you know, he, and he plays in a way that I kind of think that this is always going to be a part of his career, is, mm-hmm. is that, you know, the way he plays, he's going to miss time at times. That being said, we now have... As a 22-year-old, Bryce Harper was just uh, at a <laughs> inner level Hall of Fame type season. Like, that's a season that is what you expect from the greats. Right. And then this year, you look at it and you say, okay, missed time. But this season is not that. But it wasn't that far off. And here he does it. He's hit now five home runs in the postseason. Yeah. And he's 24 years old. Yeah. And they're not even, again, this is not a team that's going deep in postseasons.
2: Bryce Harper... I mean, you could argue that's the biggest moment in the franchise's history going back to Montreal. I mean, you really can. I'm not, I'm not making that argument. I saw that debate being had on Twitter. The debate.
1: funny thing is, is, so then we have Zimmerman's home run.
2: Which also could arguably be the biggest moment.
1: But the thing about Zimmerman's home run, and I don't want to pour water, but that that was one where it was, like, I, I, that was he hit that ball really high. And it just kept carrying and kept carrying and kept carrying. And you're like, okay, this that, that was a moment to me that felt like, okay, this is baseball in 2017. Yeah,
2: off the bat, I thought he got it. Then you watch Zobrist, you're like, oh, he missed it. And then it's like, wait, that got out? And then you're like, why didn't Ben Zobrist jump? I mean, I know Ben Zobrist is older, but like Rookie <laughs> like, Betts and Aaron Judge showed <laughs> Aaron, us. Aaron the Judge doesn't jump of, for that. He just goes, He was on oh, his tippy toes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but those two guys showed us the importance of really good outfield defense. And Ben Zobrist is an infielder. And I know he's played outfield his career. I know he's played it a lot, but he's an infielder. He showed us on that play. You saw the difference in really how important, you know. You see defensive runs saved and all these formulas. You can see how you know, Ben Zobers could have saved three runs. I'm not saying he should have made that play because it was really high, mm-hmm. but his effort uh, and his ability to time it and all that stuff compared to what we saw Betts do and Reddick almost do when he knocked the ball into the uh, over the fence for the Reds on um, that Jackie Bradley home run. And Judge did uh, last night, taking away that home run from uh, Lindor. It was a pretty big contrast.
1: So, what else stands out? Again, we can't dissect it all. I mean, I mean we would be here. We, we have other stuff we have to do because we literally could spend all day. How
2: about David Price? How <laughs> about David? You talk about people who are embattled by the media. Joe Girardi embattled. Doesn't seem like he's having very much fun being the uh, uh, manager of the New York Yankees anymore. And Buster Olney this morning on Mike and Mike on ESPN Radio said that he wouldn't be surprised if if Olney's not back next year. It's as much because he, uh, Girardi doesn't want to come back as much as if he gets fired. So that was interesting, um, interesting news. But I would say that David Price, he kind of uh, was in his uh, own self-made uh, conundrum of taking on the Boston media for really no good reason this year. If you count Dennis Eckersley as Boston media, I think he'd have a little bit more sympathy if he took on Curly Haired Boyfriend as a uh, Carl Everett called Dan Shaughnessy, which I, you know, my interactions with Dan Shaughnessy have been great. So I I don't know him, but I know he was, you know, when I, again, my interactions with him have been very positive. I know a lot of people in Boston don't like him. There are a lot of media members in the Boston area that uh, aren't, aren't fan favorites um, and do that on purpose. But Dennis Eckersley is not one of them. He's an ex-player and the confrontation they had this year over Eduardo Rodriguez and, and what uh, Eckersley said about him, So Price has had a very difficult year physically. He's had a difficult year with the media there. And the pitch that he pitched, uh, he's been the only Red Sox pitcher, really, who's put up consistent zeros in this series. And the Astros' offense, we've talked about it, JJ, just how good they are. Relentless. David Price was on, what, a day's rest or Mm -hmm. two days' rest? I guess it was one day's rest to go four scoreless. That was a pretty good effort. That was one of the best efforts we've seen of any pitcher in the postseason.
1: And, and the other thing that stands out about it is, is that when you, you, you've you already talked about this, the, the game in 2017, I don't know. Like, the reality of it is, is you're right. He's not, you know, like they said, like, I mean, because of his elbow and all that, Doug Fister got the start. Right. And it did mean, and Doug Fister wasn't around for long. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, but, but in the end, I don't know that what David Price did, I, again, I, I don't I'm trying to catch up to baseball and I think everyone is to where it is now as far mm-hmm. as how pitching is dealt with and all. But I don't know that what that the ability to do that basically, which is a hard job to do. I mean that's the thing I don't mm-hmm. think I think we want need to emphasize here. Yeah, it is not easy. It is one thing to be told, here's your game and go out there and basically now, yes, nowadays, there are no, there's no pitching in a pinch. This is not 1905 <laughs> right. where you're like, I can just put it over the plate for these yeah. next three because this is a nothing... Two,
2: this is a 2012 College World Series. <laughs> you know, you're not pitching in TD Ameritrade right. Park with softballs. So
1: you're, every pitch has to be a pitch with purpose. Every pitch you know that if you make one mistake, eight guys in the lineup can basically hit a home run off yep. it. All that. You got all that. But it is harder to me. And from what I've talked to pitchers... It is harder for them to say, I'm going to go through the lineup a time and a half on basically no notice. Right. Compared to, I'm going to start and try to give you six. Yep. That is harder to do. And David, that's what David Price did. But at the same time, I don't know that David, like, you need better out of Fister to do this. But yeah. I don't know that he's not actually more valuable to them as this, like, okay. Super reliever. Right super now. reliever who will take. Four innings of a game away.
2: That's. I just don't know how I don't know how tenable that is. We'll see. Today will be interesting because there is forecast for rain in the Northeast. So we're scheduled for four games. We may just get two. Boston and New York. Mm-hmm. Both those games are in question. And although seem- the worst
1: scenario is is you get like these rain delay, you know, like rain delay that eats right. pitching instead Correct. of saves pitching.
2: That's right. Um, I will say in that same Red Sox game, AJ Hinch got Hinch got some flack for taking out Brad Peacock too early. So. I think that the, you know, I just think it's really hard. I don't think we know kind of where we are yet. I do think the, the, the game that was the highest quality game of the weekend was the game where Tanaka and Carrasco were both on their games and both pitched deep into that game and pitched very well. Both teams needed, you know, it did come down to a battle of the bullpens and Greg Bird got Andrew Miller, which that's also, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, on the strat cards, you know, that ain't happening. I don't I I mean, think I I there's no home, home runs I don't think... against lefties on on Bird's strat card and no home runs allowed against lefties on Miller's strat card. So that ain't happening on the cards, but in real life, Greg Bird annihilated that baseball. And, Hashtag Colorado. And, and then Aroldis hitter. Chapman,
1: yes. who seems to have put, you know, Again, whatever it was, and I, I I was subscribed to the, did you see how much I pitched last October? It, yeah. You know, I was tired. Yes. You know, but you, that oh, was...
2: By the way, did you see that Aroldis Chapman favorited a yes, Instagram post yes. that called Joe Girardi an imbecile? Yes. So he had an interesting weekend. Yes.
1: But <laughs> to go out and do the five outs, the the other thing that struck me as I was watching that last night is is that... What Mariano Rivera did, and when Mariano Rivera did it, it was something that was like this outlier of many sorts. Like what stood out about Mariano Rivera was is that when we got into the La Russa form of this is the, this guy's the seventh, this guy the eighth, this guy the ninth, Joe Torre, you know, with Rivera would use him as the two inning save, which right. was you know is now becoming kind of. The norm, right? which it
2: should have been, it should have been. And that's the thing is that he made it look easy, and I know it wasn't easy, but it certainly was a very successful strategy, and it was on display every October. And why other teams weren't trying but I do to do think in like 2017. That now
1: me. we look at it and we say, if a, if you're saving your closer, and again, okay, if you've got Fernando Rodney and you're saving him for the ninth, feel free. <laughs> sure,
2: exactly. But if
1: you've got Craig Kimbrel or you've got a as Chapman or you've got one of these guys, you know, who is the uh, is a guy who, when he comes into the game, you go, man, it is going to be almost impossible for us to come back. Right. You, saving that guy till the ninth doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even if it means, you, again, right. you never, it, it comes back to, in the postseason, you never know what the next game's going to be like. I would rather, I would rather use a as Chapman for five, pin, yeah. five outs there when you don't know, you don't know if it's going to rain today or not. And, the most and you don't know if it may be
2: an eight run
1: game in the late innings.
2: And the surpri- most surprising part was they, not just they use them in the eighth inning, but they use them in the eighth inning against the bottom of the lineup. It was Jan Gomes and Giovanni Ursula. So they're right handed hitters, but also guys that you would figure if you trusted Batancas, mm-hmm. Dylan Batancas would go get those guys, or Tommy Canely, or the, Reds, the Yankees have such depth in their bullpen. You'd figure you would have gone to one of those guys and then saved Chapman for the ninth inning. And that would have been perfectly acceptable, I think, managing. But I think the you're down two zero. It's the Indians. They seem like they have this mojo. Uh, the Indians did seem to also miss Edwin and That was not one of the top three moments of the weekend. But that was definitely the ugliest baseball oh. injury of the weekend. That just looked gross. Uh, t- I'm, I'm thankful he fortunate. didn't
1: break anything because it, when he was when he went down, that looked like oh you you know that that may be broken ankle. I mean that was I
2: was, I was I thought that you know, it wasn't a broken wing because it was a broken <laughs> ankle. But I would have been making broken Edwin jokes if. They were funny, so I won't make them. <laughs> um, JJ, there, there's a lot going on in that series. We haven't, we barely touched on the National League's uh, on the interdivision series with the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. A, those games are late, so I'm sure that Kyle Glazer will pop in here at some point, and he'll have watched all of them, and he'll throw in some Arizona State football jokes uh, as well. But that series has been the highest scoring series so far: nine five and eight five Dodger victories. Um, I'm kind of curious if we, do Do you feel like Arizona has the ability to come back and beat the Dodgers three straight times? No. They've got Zach Greinke going, I and mean, back home, but no. Huh?
1: no. No, I mean, not, again, when you talk about it, it's baseball, I, I would never say that it's impossible no, for yeah. any team to not win three games in a row, because that happens all the time. Every, you know, <laughs> clearly, the Dodgers, admittedly, not with exactly the lineup they have now, but... The Dodgers had a stretch where they could not win for two and a half weeks. So, right, you know, right. if you said, is it possible that they'll get cold? Absolutely. But, I, again, I do think right now you are looking as good as the Diamondbacks are. This Dodgers team is better. I, the thing that stands out to me about that series, and I know Cody Bellinger has not, hit, this yeah. is not a series he's going to go. made
2: contact yet? <laughs> yeah, I was going
1: to say, this has been a terrible series at the plate for him. This has been Justin Turner's series where Justin Turner has been in, you know, just out of his gourd. Yes. That said, I love watching Cody Bellinger play first base. Oh, yeah. That I really, out. really do. It is everything that we thought it would be. You know, you you. this is one of those things where you're writing about when he was in, you know, low A, then high, and all that. And it's like, no, no, this is a first baseman who plays center field on the days he doesn't, you know, and you're you, you trying, watch him.
2: You're trying to value as a prospect a first baseman and with the bar being so high for first baseman. But then you're watching, you're seeing this guy, you're seeing the numbers, you're talking to scouts about him in the minor league, and it's like, this guy's hitting for a ton of power. This is like seven power. He does have field to hit. The defensive value, J.J., just is so off the charts. And we had, you know, we were getting like sixes and sevens, especially as an amateur, on Dominic Smith. I'm not trying to bash Dominic Smith. but We were getting sixes and sevens on Cody Bellinger, and then you see the bodies. And you watch them play and it's like, one guy looks like he can maintain this and the other guy does not. And that's one of the reasons. It's a power, but also like the de- defensive scouting reports, you, they there's, were very easy to believe on Cody Bellinger that those would be maintained. There's two guys over the last five,
1: maybe even ten years that I can think of where scouts, like with first basemen, where scouts, I mean, I know, and I know there was someone, Dominic Smith, I don't want to do but Cody Bellinger when he was in the minors, it was something where it's like no 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 this is this is a Gold Glove first significant baseman significant asset. This was like when they said it wasn't project it was like no 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 he's now the, the day he arrives in the big leagues he'll be one of the best first baseman defensively and he is you know they don't he if he's and not her Key Fernandez like he is at he, okay maybe he's one notch below that but he is exceptional yeah. and then the same thing we haven't even seen him much yet as a pro but it was like when you're Evan White this year at Kentucky yeah. where you were getting right. I want to talk about the first baseman's defense, which is something that never happens. But one of the things that makes sense with that is, is that occasionally you are going to have guys who play first base
2: like a shortstop. Right. Because... It's like every four or five years... If you like throw James Lillenny, with your left hand... Yeah. But James Lillone, was that kind of guy. He was described that mm-hmm. way in low minors. Eric Cosmer certainly was described that way in mm-hmm. the low minors and is a good... I wouldn't say he's a great But he's been a multiple base, goals he's, lover. But he's, he's really good, yep. And uh, to me, Bellinger is a little better than both those guys. He just seems like he's a more so smooth, fluid athlete. So fluid. And we saw it, again, I've talked about so it over
1: And so comfortable the years. turning, like, again, the, when you take a first baseman who is com- who has that fluidity with a comfort at throwing. Yeah,
2: that, that's exactly it. He is, I mean, again, it's... it's <laughs> You go back in forty years of Dodger history, and Steve Garvey loved to have range, but he did not like to throw the ball, so he's just got the sprint. You know, um, Bellinger has that range, plus he's a left-handed thrower, so he can range to his right like he's a you know, a significant asset as an infielder. And when he ranges, boy, you know, Rich Hill better get over and not be old man Rich Hill. And he but, didn't get over at one point, but this guy can make is a playmaker as a first baseman. But also, and the thing about it, this is, for a first base,
1: when you talk about you know comfortable throwing. There is no... First base is the position where there's no easy throw. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I mean, if you think about it... Right, no, you're right. So your throws to first base are, you have a pitcher coming over, and you are basically trying to place the ball, lead the pitcher properly. Right. So you place the ball so he catches it and can focus on getting his foot on the back. Yeah. That's difficult. Turning two... Is basically you are you you have a base runner to interact with, right? Okay, I can't you know I've got to make sure, but also I've got to feed the ball, and sometimes I've got to feed the ball, and then I've got to take off to cover. You know, again, sometimes you got to cover usually the pitcher, but sometimes there's never an easy throw, and he makes all those throws. They're they're all in his toolbox, and they're all easy for him.
2: And the thing is, you kind of you know one of the things that I got to see him do in the NHSI in 2013. Was field a bunt. It was, it was his team, uh, Hamilton, I, I believe it was. Hamilton or Horizon. I get those mixed up in Arizona. Uh, against Milton, Georgia High School with Dylan Cease as a junior. Um, I'll never forget that game because both guys were like really just stood out. And he fielded a bunt in that Hamilton, game. It was Hamilton High. Thank you. He fielded a bunt in that game against Milton cut down a runner at third base was like, he really did. I think I, I wrote the game around that game. It looked like Keith Hernandez. I mean, you just you just remember from back when we were kids. Keith Hernandez crashing on uh, bunts and just annihilating base runners, uh, and that's we just don't get to see Cody Bellinger do that very much because but there's again, just fewer bunts.
1: But the other thing about it is, is there are very, very, very few first basemen who can do that, right. who are comfortable doing that, and essentially playing like a third baseman. That's, that's it. Because well, for one, to do that comfortably, you you essentially have to be. You are a shortstop, third baseman caliber defender. Like
2: you said, you believe that you could make that play. You're not, but you just happen to throw left-handed. That's it. And so very if,
1: few. I mean, the reality is, is yes, being left, throwing left-handed is one of the reasons you end up at first base. But very few guys are there, and it's like, well, you know, this guy's really, if he was right-handed, he'd be a shortstop. Yeah,
2: you know, the dad played shortstop in the big leagues. Uh, you know, that's the how his dad got to the big leagues. So. Uh, we're we're talking West Coast, so Kyle, we've already told our listeners at some point you're going to show up and tell us more about this West Coast series. We've been harping on the fact that Cody Bellinger's defense is one of the most fun things to watch about this series. I I, I am still stunned that Tony Singrani made the Yankees, the the Dodgers' playoff roster and appeared in the game of the day, and uh, I'm not stunned that Kelly Jansen with a five-out save. um, What stood out to you about this series so far, this Dodgers-Diamondback series? Well, one thing for
3: me is the Dodgers have been jumping on them right away. I mean, that's a really, really talented offense. We talked, I think, before the series started that it was a really good offense that when they're at their best, I mean, they were right with the Nationals It's one yeah. of the best offenses in the major leagues. And then they had that horrendous stretch where everything seemed to go wrong at once. And we talked about when they're, when they're on – I'll, I'll take that offense against anyone's Astros included. When well, they're but on, they there's... have
2: Yasiel Puig
3: hitting eight. Right. <laughs> I, mean, mean, like, when, I mean, come on. But they're you know? so streaky. And so I think for me, that's the biggest thing. I mean, as soon as Justin Turner hit that home running game one, the electricity at Dodgers Stadium, it was almost a statement of, okay, we've come to swing the bats. This isn't going to be the Dodgers offense you saw during that late August, early September swoon. And I think that, I mean, we talk about JT and what he means to this team. It's kind of funny. There's so many stars. Seager is a bona fide superstar. Belger's a great rookie. Puig does so many exciting and sometimes head-scratching things. Chris Taylor
1: is the biggest surprise of 2017. But, but, yeah. but
3: Justin Turner really is the heart and soul yes. of this team. And so I think when he hit that moonshot into the night off Taiwan Walker, that to me set the entire tone. And for right now, I mean, it's going to be a good match tonight. You know Zach Greinke probably isn't going to give up a seven spot. You think at least. This postseason, we don't know. But if the Dodgers offense to swing the bats, as they have been, to me this is not just a World Series team. I might take them to win the whole thing. They won
2: 104 games in the the regular season, so they really should be the favorite. But when you have a losing streak like they had, you're not going to be the favorite. Uh, Did you guys see the Arizona, the AZ Central, uh, they say satirical story that was called how to spot a Dodger fan? Did you see this? Jordan? I have not seen it yet. But have it you seen this, So for those
3: okay. who don't know, Arizona, Arizona has a very weird relationship with Southern California. They always visit. It's sort of a weird. I would say th- it's summed up by one word: jealous. I mean, <laughs> like that's it's, really it's, what it it's is. It's a little bit. You have a lot. Of, a little bit. Well, it's it's a lot of bit. And I say this as I'm trying not to insult my Arizona friends. I have a lot of them, but
2: it's not. That, it has nothing to do with anything <laughs> other than they don't have any water. I mean, like Los so Angeles. They, so Los, they, they look at Los Angeles like a "Man, I wish." We had that Where they water. really
3: come was Mission Beach in San Diego. I swear to gosh, whenever I would go home for spring break, I felt like I was back at ASU. You'd see all the Arizona plates You'd see the ASU parking tag. <laughs> I, it was amazing. But yeah, I did not see this. But ever since the Dodgers jumped in the pool, Arizona Diamondbacks fans, especially, have had a special like hatred in their heart for the Dodgers.
2: <laughs> you would think it'd be
3: like the Cubs. I guess they just like the Cubs too much. There's so many Cubs There's fans so many in Arizona. Chicago re- See, right. Like, Arizona's mostly people who relocated from, from the, the Midwest. Midwest. right. The Californians that go to Arizona for school typically go back to California. All the Midwesterners who went there, stay. They're like, I've
2: had enough sausage for my life. But this is... So this is how it starts, uh, this article. Sample field guide to spotting the typical Dodger fan. Their LA jerseys and hats are brand new. Purchased from the bandwagon souvenir stand. They fire up Facebook Live and transmit the game as if they have Baseball's Express written consent. And they don't. They pony up for seats right behind home plate so they can put uncredited baseball fan background on their acting resumes. Some of these are kind of funny. When the Dodgers fall behind, they focus on Twitter and feign indifference. Like salmon swimming upstream, they instinctively head to the exits by the seventh inning regardless of score, ostensibly to beat traffic. More likely they're bored because not one person has recognized them. Um, I mean, it goes on. So now... Now this has been added. It's an update at the top of the story. We're adding this note due to the tremendous social media reaction this art that this article received. This piece was meant to be in jest, satirical, tongue-in-cheek, all in good fun. If you want, hit us back with your favorite D-Backs fan mischaracterization and assumption. There'd have to be D-Backs fans, first of all, to do that. Oh, zinger! I'm not even a Dodger fan. And for those of you who bleed Dodger blue, congrats on making it the Division Series. Every successful team needs a rabid fan base you've clearly shown you were that that's the thing that kills me the most it's easy to make fun of Dodger fans but there are more than 3 million Dodger fans every year since so they got to I I would, I bet that if you go back to when the Dodgers showed up in Los Angeles in 1958 that they lead major league baseball in attendance and, and by the way period.
1: do remember and that is with most of them being unable to watch their team on yeah. a nightly basis yeah. on TV. and, and, and the Frank McCourt
3: era, you saw a lot of the fans dwindle, and rightfully so. But it is. A, I
1: I would say that you could be a legit Dodgers fan. You're like, I am going in hiatus until he gets rid. Of, you know, till he that's sells exactly, the team. That's exactly. That what is happened. a. That was that's a exactly fair
3: response. That, that was, is a that was exactly what happened, similar to what the Chargers fans did with Dean Spanos. But anyway, moving back to baseball, I mean, the thing right <laughs> Dean now... Dean Spanos referenced oh, oh, absolutely. All right. But one of the biggest things that... It, it's always been like a really weird mischaracterization. I've covered those Dodgers postseason games. I covered a lot of Dodgers regular season games when I was out there. Every game's, for the most part, sold out. They're allowed. And yes, they show up late. If you sat in L.A. traffic, you'd want to get a head start as well. And you know what? This is one of baseball's most historic franchises, In terms of money in terms of fan support in terms of hall of famers and obviously the world series success hasn't been there for 30 years
2: you know the last time the dodgers drew less than two million fans 1972 i'm just saying like even in the mccourt era they dropped under three million fans once i mean that have the diamondbacks ever drawn three million fans i'm just saying the dodger fans get a lot of heat and i understand why and yet, I really do think 19, 1998,
1: 1999, and two thousand
2: two. The there you go. Like that's it. it. So in they the haven't done it started. in fifteen but again, years. Now I'll say this: Phoenix, LA, and they, and they want, but they also and they want a new stadium. I mean,
3: come on. When man. Chase Field <laughs> slash the Bob really is. I mean, yes, they've let some things get out of hand, but it's on fun. purpose. It, I'm but, sure. <laughs> right? It, yes, it's fine. No, I think it's it's always seemed a little weird to me that people take shots at Dodgers fans. That's I'm what. Frankly, that's all I'm saying. Of all of all the like franchises, I've. Covered games at Wrigley, I've covered games at Fenway, I've covered games at Yankee Stadium. Dodger fans are every bit as rabid and every bit as into it. And for some reason, the East Coast and Midwest fans don't like hearing that. And how long but it's is the truth?
2: How long does Mary Hart have those seats? I mean, come on. Like, I, I mean, like every time the camera cuts behind home plate, I want to hear. First off, I want to see Kramer freak out because he hears her voice. And second of all, I want that. I want that entertainment tonight. <laughs> Just She's always there, and I will take Mary Hart as Dodger fan over the Crip Keeper, a.k.a. Larry King, every day of the playoffs. So, it just, I just think it just stands out to me that, that Mary Hart's always there. And she's always complaining about the home plate umpire. It's awesome. Yeah, the, the one thing
3: tonight I'm going to be watching for this game, if we're sticking on the West Coast, this is what the Dodgers acquired you, Darvish, for. Come in, give us that right-handed postseason start that we can really, really ride on. He had, he had, you know, an okay success against Paul Goldschmidt, especially in his one-star against the Diamondbacks earlier this year, back when the Diamondbacks wore their throwback jerseys for a game, and they really <laughs> should go back to those. throwback jerseys, yes. throwback to the 20th century. To 1998.
2: But I really do think this
3: is going to be, that's going to be the main storyline this game to me, because I do think even if, you know, the Dodgers drop a game here, just as we've seen the other teams up 2-0 Go on the you know yeah. drop a game.
2: Cubs are the only team to win a game on the road so far in the in this postseason, It's mean, is kind of amazing.
3: You know, so even if they, I still think the Dodgers win this series. But I'm gonna be really curious to see which Hugh Darvish shows up because there were some starts there that were pretty ugly. And I think for the Dodgers, you know, we talked a lot at the trade deadline about you make this move. This is a, you're going for it in the World Series. Again, not that if he has this one bad postseason start, the entire postseason is a tank. But that, to me, is the main storyline. This is what we acquired you for. Go out there, finish the job, see what we can do.
2: Yeah, and the other guy who's kind of in that same spot as Jose Quintana tonight, JJ. I mean, first start of his in the play, postseason for Jose Quintana and his career. This is why the Cubs went out and got him. Also, the other three years of control. But uh, if he doesn't pitch well, he's going to get the lackey face in the clubhouse. <laughs> I would want to stay away from the lackey face.
1: Uh, you got that, and you also have, okay, for the, for the Nationals, how healthy is Max Scherzer? Right, yeah. Uh, how healthy? And again... Now, the thing about that is, is if I'm the Nationals, I'm not looking for the great thing about 2017 baseball is this, I'm not asking him give me nine.
2: Right, exactly. I'm not
1: even asking him to give me seven.
2: But you did. But you give that's me thirty million dollars a year. So if you give me seven, eight, or nine, this but, is kind but of what we understand. For. But we
1: understand though that you are. I mean, he's coming back. You know, right. from from injury. But give me a really good five to six.
2: I never put anything past Max Scherzer. I mean, that guy is. I mean, he really is as entertaining to watch pitch as any pitcher in baseball. Um, and mostly it's just the competitiveness. I, I really do like it when his veins are like bulging out. He's like a Ren and Stimpy character that, pitching. I mean, he's really... He's veiny. He's, he gets that, intense. That,
1: that is the game I'm most excited about today from the standpoint of... Yeah. It. Again, we could have... We could... Weather permitting... Yes. We could have three series that could be decided today. But that's the one where, to me, the path of this series, you have Scherzer versus Quintana. Whoever wins this game takes the lead. And you know you have two two teams that have history as far as not against each other, but the Cubs who are trying to defend the World Series and the Nationals who need yes. desperately <laughs> to Can win. Can we make game. it to the LCS? We win a postseason in, series right. one time, and if you did that by beating the Cubs, yeah, even more to it. So that is the series. That's the game that everything you know again two one is going to feel a lot better than one two in that series. And so you look at that like again, if you're the Astros today, weather permitting, and Rick Porcello outduels, you know, Charlie Morton, you know, and you lose that game, okay, well it gets real interesting then because now it's two two. But you're still like, okay, we're we're still we're still fine. You know, you look at it, you say you're the Dodgers
3: home, you've got the, opportunity.
1: The, the Dodgers, if they win it it's over, but if they don't, they you still feel like they're in control of that series. And then really, if the Yankees, if Severino Pitch is a little better. Well, actually, <laughs> if, oh, he better. if he gets two outs, if he gets two outs, if he gets two outs this week, you know. But you have if they beat the if they beat Cleveland tonight, you know, it is something where you say okay, and then that's two two, and that's going to be a fascinating final game. But if you're Cleveland, you do have in the back of your head, let's finish them tonight. We got the the Washington Chicago series. That's the one where it again winning two games is not impossible for any of these teams, obviously, but. That's the series where you have the pivot point tonight.
3: Yeah, completely agree. And I must say, it's been a very you know entertaining postseason so far. Last year's postseason was still one of the best postseasons I can remember, start to finish, starting with that wild card game between the, uh, the both wild card games actually, all the way to the World Series. But we've had a nice start to this postseason. All these games have been entertaining. There's been a lot of big home runs. As much as the starting pitchers have not always been great, we have seen some good pitching performances. We yeah. started. To, I mean, Tanaka. See a little bit of everything. Tanaka last night. David
2: Price, new Red Sox hero. Who to thunk? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, they would have two years ago when they gave really up uh, two hundred seventeen million dollars. That's that. It is amazing. Like uh, it, it, I, Dan Shaughnessy wrote it last night, like how he's pitched his way into fans' hearts. The Red Sox fans are real are they really that thick? No, no, no. I guess they no, are. No,
1: no. When you say that. Let's be honest, he hasn't pitched his way into Red Sox fans' hearts. He's pitched his way to basically where, okay, well, let's see what you do next time. That's right, exactly. Because... The same story would be if, if he blows it in game 5 we'll be, well, David Price didn't, you know.
2: Well, Eric J. Alves asks on the Twitter machine, do Red Sox hope game is played to keep momentum from yesterday and take chances with Porcello, or hope for rain so Sale and Price are ready for game four? I think uh, there's
1: an obvious answer to that one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it's Sale and Price, I mean, come on, the Price. Momentum <laughs> in the playoffs
1: is is... Who's on the mound. It's who's on the mound, and let's... Momentum, I don't care what you did yesterday... If in the first inning, you know, Porcello gets shelled, nothing that happened yesterday matters.
2: I do think that the Nobel Prize for Economics was just awarded this morning in Oslo to the dude who says that the human element has to be factored into your economic your economic models. So I think there, that is basically, to me, like can be transferred to baseball. And yeah, there is a human element to this, and there is a momentum element to this, and this is... Probably I don't know if you could say it's science, but it's definitely economics, which is what the whole game, all these front offices are based off these economic models right now. So I think there is something to it, but there's more to sale and price. Being, uh, price being available, sale being at its best, and sale greater than Porcello. So just to put it on the other side, though, at the same time, instead of now facing Charlie Morton,
3: you might have to deal with Keiko Verlander again. Verlander, Keichel. No. Verlander, yeah, Keichel. But so that's, so Charlie little...
2: Morton's really been really good lately. So I never thought I'd say that, but Charlie Morton has been really good lately. So I might not want to face uh, Keichel. Keichel's good. Uh, I, would, I would rather face Morton than Verlander. But Charlie Morton's Charlie Morton's pretty good. So the Astros, for me, they do have. I'll be really interested. I'm, I was a little surprised that they started Peacock over Morton the way that Morton finished the year. Roger Munter also says, JJ, uh, thanks for answering my, my question in one of the recent podcasts, he will take exception with JJ for thinking Mantle was a better prospect than Mays. I, 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 I agree with him. I, I think Mays was the better
1: prospect. I, I think Mays was the better player. I think Mantle's the better prospect. The reason I say that is, is he had switch hitter who ran supposedly, like, again, when you talk about scouting a prospect, pre-knee injury time for Mickey Mantle, the ones that I've been got, given by, and I mean, when I say... If you're talking to a scout who scouted Mantle at this point, <laughs> saying say. "long time scout" is pretty yeah. obvious part of that. But the, the 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 times I have heard, obviously the power for Mickey Mantle was at the top. Raw power was at the all-time top of the scale. You know, again,
2: he didn't hit the ball 565 feet. I know
1: he didn't, but <laughs> but he was at all-time top.
2: Of, just 500. That's 80
3: pounds.
1: But yeah. all-time top of the scale, and the times, the running times were easy 80s. So True. you had. You had that as good as again. I think Willie was Mays, Mays
2: not an eight. I mean, come on. I think it was an eight. I think I he think was he was a th- center fielder at the time. Mantle was not because of the No, but man, he was right actually field, no when scouted, was a center and being scouted, he was a shortstop. Uh, yeah, that's well. He and a bad one. Yeah, but, he was like B.J. Upton, but he had
1: the arm too. You know, he had. But again, we're talking about two of the all-time greats. But <laughs> yes. I do think you know the funny thing, thing is. is the funny thing is is that and Babe Ruth would not when we're talking about this. Babe Ruth would not. It's like well, the body's not going to hold up very well.
2: I think he's gonna <laughs> right. All that. I do love looking at the 1951 uh, Giants, who, of course, uh, th- that was, was that, that the year of the Giants win the pennant? That was the year, right? 1951? I think that was the year of Bobby Thompson's shot heard around the world, um, Giants win the pennant, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that team walked more than a struck out. 671 walks, 624 strikeouts. As a team, um, and, and Mays was 57 walks, 60 strikeouts, he was one of the worst strikeout-to-walk rates on the team, Uh, it's really fun to look back. But they had also – I think the the difference could be, going back in time as a prospect ranker, that you had Willie Mays with a little Negro League time where you would see him at a high level of play versus Mickey Mantle. So if you're you're dropping yourself in that time, you probably valued Mickey Mantle's minor league time over the Negro Leagues because – you were probably racist in 1951. <laughs> but if you're looking at it objectively, historically, the Negro Leagues were at a higher right. level of play. No so question. you would say that uh, Willie Mays doing that for the Birmingham Black Barons Made, made you rate him as a higher prospect? I'm just, I'm just going. Yeah, if back. You're going back, if we're going back, so the
1: MLEs on that would be, would be exactly. better. Than that's the I'm MLEs i you
2: know. That's where I was headed. So that that it took me a long while to get there. I think you both thought I was going to embarrass myself, but I didn't. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I think. I, I just, <laughs> oh, I, you I, were. I, it was fraught. That that whole train of uh, that was like I was like Snowpiercer. That whole train of thought was just fraught with peril at all sides. So yes, I thought that all of humanity was going to die in that in that. Uh, that's my first Snowpiercer reference. Have you ever see that movie? I did not. It's I... a pretty random movie. It's one of the weirder <laughs> apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic movies. To, to, to wrap this Please. up because we
1: need to, uh, you know, so Happy with, Columbus Day, everybody. Yeah. So which Indigenous Peoples Day? So, so which, so which series do you think goes? Which series do you think goes far?
2: I, I think the Cubs Nationals one is the best one. It's just I, I mean I'm, I know I'm borrowing from the NBA, but the series don't start till someone wins on the road. That series started from game one, and we've had our share of drama and moments in that series. So I'm that that's the best one so far, and I think that will continue to be the best one. I mean, we, I think the best game was the Indians' 13 inning win, but I still think we have. I think that's the best series.
3: Yeah, Cubs Nats is the best series. I do feel like at the beginning when I said. Uh, I ha- the Astros-Red uh, Sox was the one that gave me the toughest time to pick, and John told me I was wrong because the Astros <laughs> were going to run them over. So they did I the fit- first two games. They did the first two games, but I, I actually am intrigued. I-, I I don't know, maybe I have too much faith in the Red Sox, but I, I kind of think they're going to put this to five, and the Astros are going to feel a little bit of pressure on them. I just like the way that, as much as Porcello has struggled... I don't know, the Red Sox at home, backs against the wall. I, I kind of have a feeling they're going to make it an entertaining one.
2: Anybody watch any of the FS1 post-game where after the Red Sox asked for his game, with the, after game three, where Poppy, Big Poppy was asked a question and answered about the Red Sox and then finished by saying, I'm so happy. <laughs> 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 Hashtag journalism in 2017. I, I, will, I will say, no, no, but, the fact
3: the Red Sox won a playoff game that they started Doug Pfister in, <laughs> that's impressive. Give, yeah, I'll leave it uh, at
1: that. But, uh, but no, so it is going to be a crazy day. We do hope that the weather, you know.
2: Yeah, we might only get two games today. We might get three. Let's hope we get four. You know. Um, but if we're be-
1: going to get four, the thing I do hope is this. I don't want this to be something where you have two innings and then rain comes. And I, I would hate to see these games, any, either of these uh, AL games, determined somewhat by, well, the rain came at the right time for this team or wrong time for this team. Things like that.
2: Yes, I agree. Uh, Thanks for putting up with me, guys. Uh, JJ and Kyle, that was fun. Uh, We want to thank our followers and listeners for tuning in today. Today's podcast was sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com. Enter the offer code BAShip to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and much more today. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about however many games we have in the Major League Playoffs uh, here on Monday, October the 9th. For J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you tomorrow. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter modella is your reward modella the mark of a fighter drink responsibly beer imported by Crownland port chicago illinois everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet-o-fish sandwich all day